Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, a bonus, bonus episode. I guess we're going to have to start doing these more often. I guess. I mean, bonus episodes are fun to do, but why not have an additional bonus to that bonus? Yes, uh, I'm still lobbying. We just call it Film Club Goes to the Movies because these we only do these if we see a movie in the theater. You know, we might have to do something where we do like maybe a poll on Instagram and have people vote for what title they want to call this. If you're one of our four listeners, you can go to our Instagram page and vote on things. I, I, I mean, it would help, yeah. It'd be nice. But yes, this week we're talking about a movie that we actually went to the theater to see. Not, we not went... just the theater. We went to the red carpet premiere. We did. Of Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. And we're a little late releasing this episode because we... it's it's been a busy week, a busy two weeks. <laughs> we kind of yeah, we kind of didn't realize that it released so close to the red carpet. But yeah. we did get to go see it. And before we start spoiling anything, because we're gonna talk about the movie in chunks, what did you think? Did you like it, dislike it? Would you recommend? I am not a D and D player. And this was something that I kind of wanted to put out there for people that may not also play the game, but are interested in watching the movie. I highly recommend. Without having, you know, any understanding of the lore, the characters, the universe of Dungeons and Dragons, I was totally able to sit there, understand what was happening in the movie, and enjoy it. Yeah, I do play d and I've played a lot in my time, and... It works. Like, the movie's actually a lot of fun. You know, I don't want to just say it works. It is a good movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I've seen all the bad Dungeons & Dragons movie. This is not a bad Dungeons & Dragons movie. This is a really good Dungeons & Dragons movie. And it's also just a good adventure movie. An adventure comedy. Would recommend. It's a lot, a lot of fun. Go see it in the theater if you want to go see it. But it... I give it two thumbs up. Two big thumbs up. But Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among thieves now we get to the more the what the fuck the movie's about yeah part <clears throat> but i have the back of the box here nice <clears throat> a roguish band of losers joined together for one big job robbing the kingdom of neverwinter during its season games and saving the daughter of their fearless leader from the scheming lord of the castle but things get complicated when they discover the lord's court wizard is plotting to turn the peasants attending the games into a mindless army for her to take over the world. So now our thieves must find a way to rescue the girl, steal the loot, and save the day, and get some XP in, in the process. Yeah. But yeah, um, it's an it's an adventure like heist movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the things about the movie when we came out of the theater. And from what a lot of people I've talked to have said, you know, coming out of the theater, it feels like Guardians of the Galaxy without the baggage. Yeah. It feels like a Guardians of the Galaxy adventure movie, fun characters, group dynamic, but it doesn't have that Marvel baggage connected to it where it feels like you have to start picking things out of the background. Where does this tie into the timeline? And, oh, does this character, is he going to show up in Thor or whatever? Mm-hmm. It It's a lot more of a... It's, a, it's Guardians of the Galaxy without all of that tied up into it. Do you think this movie should have sequels or should this be a standalone? Actually, I had the idea of this being something where they have sequels, mm-hmm. but I would almost prefer it where it's sequels where they get new casts for each one. Mm-hmm. You know, like this one. So it's a new party every time? Yeah. It's, this is Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. It'd be fun if there was one like. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, Pirates of the Sword Coast, Dungeons and Dragons, 
the mazes of uh, Fandelver or something like that, where mm. each one's a different, like, self-contained adventure story. But, you know, they're probably going to make a sequel to this. I think it's doing really well right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it just knocked off John Wick 4 as the as the top box office draw. And then we have, you know, Super Mario out right now that's completely dominating. Yes. But, like, the first thing I want to really get into, because you're not a fan of the D&D, you know, D&D game. A D&D person, you know, you you don't know a lot about, like, the lore in the world or whatever. So I wanted to know, going into it and coming out of it, you know, what what you kind of felt. I mean, I'd love to to play D&D. It looks fun. I've seen it, like, on Big Bang. I've seen it, you know, Stranger Things. So I'd love to, you know, explore that universe. But going into it and actually visually seeing it, I thought it was spectacular. To be able to see this new world, these new lands, these new monsters and characters. Uh, I think I, I loved Albear. Yes. I loved the Albear. I loved uh, the fat dragon. <laughs> there were so many things that were brand new to me that, you know, immediately I loved. So it's like I'd love to explore that world. Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing is I think a lot of um, modern fantasy stuff has been kind of pulled into that Game of Thrones aesthetic of, Mm -hmm. you know, dark and serious and gritty and grim and all that. But this isn't like that. It's really light. It's, you know, very bright, very fun. I mean, when the bad guy's Hugh Grant. Yes, chewing the scenery like only a classic ham could. Yeah, it's like, you know, really, I'm supposed to be afraid of you? And I think that's kind of funny, you know, because, I mean, uh, so much of the movie feels like it was ripped off the table of somebody's D&D campaign. That and um, I had read that Monty Python was also a big inspiration for this movie. Oh, I can feel it. And it's like we felt that and then seeing that, you know, in like, you know, the actual uh, investigation of what this movie was, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool that it was, you know, Monty Python expired. Uh, we got Guardians of the Galaxy vibes from it. Mm-hmm. I I really did enjoy the movie. I thought it was such a fun like roller coaster adventure blockbuster. I but I didn't notice this, and I wonder if you picked up on it. Did you notice how the movie feels very episodic? Like they kind of just transport to different areas. Yeah, and things just kind of happen. Yeah, is that something that happens in the game? Well, I mean, yeah, but I think that's um. A point I wanted to make. It feels like there was supposed to be a framing device mm-hmm. around it where it was like people around the D&D table and the world worse. The movie we're seeing was supposed to be the game they were playing because yeah. it feels so much like a like the game. Yeah. Like it feels very gamey. It looks like something that you would, um, I guess, play on like Xbox or whatever or PlayStation or I, I'm old, right? So... You know, yeah, kind of. Yeah, so it feels like that, and it feels like I'm missing a framing device around it. Did you feel like there should have been, like, do you think that's something that was probably originally in it, and then they took it out later? If there was, I didn't see it. Really? No, I, I just saw it, you know, as a film, and then I kind of felt like anytime we focused on one singular character, that that's, you know, what we were doing. We were jumping. It was someone else's turn. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I kind of felt like we were doing that, but like a framing device, no. Okay, because, I mean, it, it would make sense that there might have been one at one draft of the script Possibly. and then it's gone. But, I mean, the movie is over two hours long. It is, and it doesn't feel like it's two hours long. It moves yeah. pretty fast. Yeah, and there's a lot of, like, very creative adventure chase sequences. I mm-hmm. mean, there's the one where uh, we have our druid character 
being chased out of the castle, through a chimney, through mm-hmm. the town, and it's all done in this one very intricate, long take. Because she's a fly, right? Yeah, she turns into a fly, then turns into herself, then turns into a bird, then turns into a cat, then turns into a, a deer, deer or a doe, a doe, and they, there's a lot of transforming things going on, and it's very masterfully done mm-hmm. because you can tell, like, okay, this is CGI, right? Yeah. And then there's a part where she transforms, and then the, okay, that's like the real actor in what looks like a real set, like it doesn't mm-hmm. look CGI. And then it transforms into CGI, like, mid-run. And I'm like, okay, this isn't like some of the recent Marvel movies where you can tell they were changing CGI shots, like, the day before it hits theaters. There's, like, like real planning into some of these. I mean, that's why I loved um, the mirror scene when they were using that to transport themselves into the carriage with the treasure. Yeah, that's in the the trailer, right? Yeah, that's in the trailer. But just seeing those scenes where, you know, they're crawling out of the mirror... And, you know, you're kind of rotating with the mirror and seeing, you know, it's just them stepping out of it. But there's so much movement and it kind of throws off, you know, your peripheral a little bit because it's just like, you know, it's spinning around and they're just totally like, I'm just taking a step through the looking glass and I'm getting to where I need to go. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of fun camera work going on in this. And it does feel like this um, this movie had a lot of imagination behind it. Yeah. It's one of those things where I'm, I really did like it, and it's hard for me to really give... critique it. Well, I mean, like I can critique it. You know, the the story is pretty. You know, by the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, he's this guy who lost his daughter, and she thinks he's a scumbag, but he's really not. He loves her, and it's you know he was trying to get her mother back. Trying to get her mother back. He he's the he's the scumbag with a heart of gold. Right? Yeah. And it's him trying to win his daughter's love back. That's the gist of the movie. But you also have Michelle Rodriguez, who is this barbarian warrior who just Holga, Holga who's just unlucky in love. She loves potatoes. She loves potatoes. Same and, girl, same. And Michelle Rodriguez does steal the show. Like oh, I love every her time character. she every time she opens her mouth, she steals the show. And Chris Pine is, I think at this point, I'm happy to say he's a he's a very good actor and he's really good in these genre movies. He was a good bard. He was a very good bard. And I think that's something nice about the movie. All the actors really do work. You know, he's, he's you know, Chris Pine is like Chris Pratt's um, cousin, Star-Lord, but he's just not, you don't get all the weird Chris Pratt-isms. That's why they're cousins. He's like, they're kind of similar, but not. They're, they're playing the same vibe, yeah. but, you know, Chris Pine's, I, I think Chris Pine's a better actor than Chris Pratt. I'll, but, I would just put it like that. But can you, ve- can you guess who is my favorite character of this film? I mean, was it, oh, uh, what's the Druid character? Lily? Nope. No, who? It was Chancellor Jarnathan. He's the bird that they escape oh, out of the prison. That's with. right. Yes. I love Jarnathan. Uh, that's something interesting. Okay. So you know how we're getting like a lot of CGI characters yeah. that are being incorporated into movies, right? Yeah. And I know like in the Star Wars, like Disney show, there's people who are commenting that, oh, there's all these CGI characters that are being put into scenes and it's kind of obvious that they're CGI. Mm-hmm. This isn't like that. If there is a if there is a character like a mm-hmm. like a um, bird person that they're interacting with, that's yeah. a guy in a suit. Yeah, I can't even pronounce what his species is supposed to be. Um. Okay. It's I'm, the double A one. Aracocora. Aracocora. I I can't pronounce that. He, he's like a. I big... played D and D for like a fucking decade. I still can't pronounce half the shit. Yeah, he's like a crow or a raven or something. He's a bird person. He's a bird person. Yeah. But I did see this morning, um, there is test footage 
of Jarnathan, and it's a full costume, and he's walking, you know, on the soundstage. So, yeah, not everything in this movie CGI. It's a lot of practical effects. Yeah, and I think, like, the ta- like the um, castle that they're in, like, mm-hmm. when they're walking through the cityscape, I'm like, okay, there's... This isn't, like, a CG... Like, they're not walking around in, like, a CGI room. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, they built an outdoor set. Like, they're... I can look, and I'm like, that... Okay, that passes the sniff test. Like, granted, everything six feet and up is probably a green screen, yeah. but everything they're interacting with, walking, like, that's real. And there's so many little characters where you look, and you're like, okay, that's a guy in, like, an actual suit that's practical. And I know there's people out there that crave for practical effects yeah. again or more practical f- effects and cgi integration instead of you have an actor that's acting in a green room that you can tell they're uncomfortable with because the actor they're talking to isn't there and that's why know? i was kind of getting like lord of the rings vibes from this where you know it's fantasy but there's also reality where you know this is a real location that they're at yeah it, i mean that's the thing about lord of the rings that is again lord of the rings is a masterpiece uh i'd say it's probably uh one of the greatest trilogy ever put to screen uh suck it star wars but keep dreaming the thing is is with the lord of the rings stuff you know uh peter jackson filmed a lot of it on location in um in new zealand and yeah there's parts where it's like okay when they're walking up the mountain you know and it's all that snow around that's actually on a fucking mountain in new zealand they're not in like a green screened room and that's really cool. In here, it's kind of the same thing. Like, when they're in, like, the woods or they're on the beach, I'm like, that's not a green-screened room. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I think it's a thing where I like my blockbusters kind of trying to integrate these practicals mm-hmm. and the CGI together and also telling a good story. Because I know there's, like, a horror movie that came out not too long ago that sold itself on, we're going to do, like, the thing-style monster effects, but it's going to be real, no CGI. But what they forgot is the movie also needed a good script. Yeah. And it didn't have that, you know, so. I I don't know why I went on that tangent. I think Eh. I just don't like Marvel movies anymore. Well, that, and you also like to talk about The Thing whenever you can. I love The Thing. It's a great movie. But I think we have to talk about something that's very important that happened in the movie, the graveyard scene. Yes. So the graveyard scene, I think, has been shown in the trailers or has been like leaked online or something like that. But it is the funniest part of the movie. It's one of the best bits in the movie. And is that something in the game where there is a coin that you can ask three questions well, to the dead? Okay. Um, That right there. Okay. I played a lot of D&D. And the key aspect that many D&D movies miss or mm-hmm. D&D literature, people who know about D&D but don't play it is every D&D character you play is an absolute idiot. <laughs> all of them, all right? If the DM has any, like, you know, chutzpah, he is going to make your character a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. And I have done that, this thing they do in the graveyard where you're like, oh, wait, how many questions do I get to ask him? And the guy's like, three. Only three? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. And the guy falls over dead? Yes. Yeah, that's happened all the time. Like, the, the thing is, is your, like, D&D experience is, may vary, but everyone I've played is the DM's goal is to make you look like an idiot. Mm-hmm. And this scene really gets me as, oh, somebody's actually played D&D who wrote this fucking movie. But, yes, the, D, the, the graveyard scene. Your favorite? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's already, you know, a funny concept that they have to dig up the dead to ask them questions and then you know you get some of them where 
it's this long progression of, well, yeah, I was there for this, but I died over here. I didn't see that. Or, you know, the best one was, you know, well, I I slipped out of the tub and died. Like, well, did you see where the helmet went? No, I I literally got out of the tub and just died. Or you have the guy where they didn't ask him the third question. So he's just still sitting there, you know, oh, hello. Um, I'm still here. So I guess I could talk to anybody, you know, hello. And it's just like, they don't care because they they got the information that they needed, but uh, it's just it's so funny. It's it is, and I mean I I watched that stuff and I'm like this. It's just so nice to have a D and D movie that's not trash, honestly. And I was surprised that this is the fourth D and D movie. Yes, and um, I think people are saying, oh, it's part of the D and D movie franchise. No, like that. Almost all the D and D movies ignore the one that came before it. Yeah. Right. Like the first one was in like two thousand with jeremy irons in it mm-hmm. like marlon wayne's in it too and mm. no it's it's a bad movie it's not very good all the cgi is bad the actors are like hamming it up and way over the top it is not a good movie but the rest of them have basically been relegated to like either direct to dvd or movies that just haven't been very good i think this is like the first big blockbuster attempt since like 2000 2001 and I think they did a really good job. I mean, so many people loved it. I think we need to shift over into the premiere. Yes, because, because we did go to the premiere, the red carpet. Um, it was a lot of fun. And the vibe in the room, people were game for it. Yeah, I mean, we saw a lot of people that were in cosplay. It, it was a mixture of, you know, being in formal attire. And, you know, you get a couple of rogue people that were in, like, full-blown cosplay. Mm-hmm. But the energy, once we got into the theater and sat down, was just, it was buzzing. Yes. Everybody there was super game for it. And I think this is, might have been, you know, mileage may vary. Because I don't think everyone's going to go to the movie theater and see people in cosplay for the movie. But the theater environment is something I think is really important for movies like this. Yeah. Where they are a roller coaster, where they are these adventure movies, they work better in a crowd. And it works when you know people are fans of these fandoms franchises games and i mean you know we had people sitting next to us where there were some times where i wasn't looking at the movie i was watching the reaction of the person and i mean they would get so excited and animated and everyone would yell and scream it was like kind of like being at a football game just so much energy um i mean i'm sorry to bring this up because i think i've talked about the marvel movies a bunch but you know how you know you go to see a Marvel movie and there's you're there are people in there you know are just there because they don't they don't want to miss the part of the storyline. You know this is the next episode yeah. of the Marvel movies I mean, and they're just kind of there. They're kind of glancing up, watching Ant Man do his thing, then back to their phone. Like this felt like okay, people are actually engaged in the movie. Yeah. They're engaged with the roller coaster, and I I really want more of this. Mm-hmm. You know, it might just be a thing where. You know, I'm, I'm pushing aside an old franchise and really want more of a new one. Yeah, and I mean, I hope if there are sequels to this, they really use this first one as a template because I think, you know, they knocked it out of the park. And since it, they kind of have a history of the, their movies not doing well, and this is like the first one out of all of those to finally, you know, break the mold and, you know, get them there. Mm-hmm. I hope they do that again, but... Yeah, it was a lot of fun going to the premiere. Uh, it was our first time at the Regency Village in Brentwood. Yes. Uh, beautiful, old, iconic theater. It's right across from the Bruin, which is, you know, equally historical. You just love it because it was a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That too, but I mean, you know, it's 
you know, movie theaters that have been around forever. Um, my mom has history with those theaters. So it was cool to finally go to a place where I've only heard stories about them and actually go for the first time. And it was to a premiere, our first premiere, which was, you know, it's still crazy to think that we did that this year. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Man, we did a lot of standing that day. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, that's the thing. Like, I think um, if you out there wanted to go see a fun Guardians of the Galaxy style, because it, it does hearken a lot to that storytelling, mm -hmm. that aesthetic, right? I would think if you wanted something that's more fantasy-oriented than sci-fi-oriented, that's in this kind of Guardians of the Galaxy adventure heist you know, genre, this is pretty good. Yeah. If you're burned out on Marvel movies and you just want something that's that's in that vein but still cares about telling you a good story, this is this is pretty good. Like you can do a lot worse than this. Yeah. I would recommend. Yeah, and I mean I recommend too. Um I thought it was cool that uh, I think it's Jonathan Goldstein, he's one of the directors of this movie. Yeah. He was in uh, Freaks and Geeks. Yes, or I think John Francis Daly was in Freaks and Geeks. Was he? There's two Jonathans, so I was just yeah. like but yeah. I was like, that's cool. And, you know, it's cool to see the progression of, you know, people that are fans of the game and this universe and to be able to grow up. And, you know, what? I'm going to direct something that I grew up playing and I love. How many people were so happy when they got to direct episodes of The Mandalorian because they just meant to yeah. they got to be a part of the Star Wars universe? Oh, yeah. That's why, you know, it's it's always so beneficial when they let fans come in and, you know, it's like. The fans aren't going to steer you in the wrong direction. They're fans for a reason. They equally love, you know, this thing. And that's what this movie felt like. It was like a love letter to the fans. Yes. But I think that's going to get us to our little wrap-up here. Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. If you're a fan of D&D, would highly recommend it. And if you're not a... You've never played D&D, highly recommend it. It was very entertaining. But if you wanted to listen to us talk about something completely different, where can they go? Well, hold on. Hold on there, oh, sir. Oh, do you I, have a, a boo fact? I, I do have a, one boo fact. One boo fact. And it kind of goes hand boo, in hand. Boo, it's a fact. It is a fact. It goes hand in hand with a previous bonus bonus episode that we just recorded. Mm -hmm. Apparently, a uh, director that they considered to make this film was Chris McKay, the director of Renfield. Really? Yeah. And I guess he left the project or, you know kind of ended negotiations because he went on to direct the tomorrow war mm, okay so i think you know that's kind of cool because we got the directors that we did for this and who knows what the movie would have looked like with chris mckay but we get chris mckay and renfield who knocked it out of the park so we win all around yes but if you wanted to win where can they go to to listen to some of our other episodes if you want to listen to uh to us on a different platform than you currently are. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. You can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault, and that is The Film Vault on YouTube, where I do slideshow versions of our podcast, and eventually we're going to try and do video versions. But if you wanted to find out when we were going to do that, you can find us on social media at... The Film Club Podcast on Instagram, where we post daily stories, upcoming episodes, upcoming events, maybe a premiere or two, you never know. And, uh, yeah, our random adventures we go on. And with that, we'll see you next week at the Film Club. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.